passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation. Because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. All right, people. The best hour of the week. At least it is for me. And uh, Captain Scott Knoll is across from me. I'm John Lopez. Captain Dean Thomas uh, looking refreshed after a little fishing trip. Uh, looks like maybe he uh, caught a couple of Z's in between, uh, but that's good. That's what we all do. I certainly did this weekend. This is the Bite Me Podcast, and uh, we've got your topics. We've got your questions, uh, and those guys are going to have your answers, and hopefully I'll be able to steer the ship without running into the jetties, so to speak. Um, we have uh, some great stuff, uh, very timely stuff with the holiday coming up, with a lot of beachfront fishing coming up, talking about hitting the bars. Not those bars. Um, staking out spots on holiday weekends, putting the odds in your favor on a new bay. That's going to be very timely because uh, Dean and I did that this weekend, and I'm going to give him his uh, proper flowers, as the kids like to say. But don't forget to join us uh, by subscribing. We're on YouTube Live right now, and anyone who is joining us live can uh, feel free to enter the comment section, uh, advance the conversation, certainly uh, offer some topics uh, that that maybe splinter off some of the topics that we start with, and uh, and that's always good. But don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you can subscribe. And the Bite Me group page, pushing 8,700 members. That's big, man. That's a big group page. I call it a community, and it's been very, very good to uh, anybody who uh, who's a part of that. Uh, so let's talk fishing. Let's not bury the lead. Uh, but the lead is what's going on right now. I know, Captain Scott, if you hear some uh, some mariachi music, some polkas, some cumbias in the background, that's just Camille. She likes it. Uh, no, that's uh, that's going to be the that's going to be the workers uh, that are doing some uh, some drywall. It sounds like Scott, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're out there uh, going at it, man. I mean, it, it's amazing how fast some little dudes are working. Mm-hmm. Uh, they started off this morning about nine nine thirty, and last time i walked out there the whole entire ceiling's done two bedrooms are done they're working on a third bedroom they're knocking it out got a lot of little yeah. cuts you know the little cuts and stuff will slow them down later but ain't slowing them yeah. down much i can tell yeah. you that there's a, there's a 190 sheets of 12 foot hey man rock. 
it pays to go with the paid professionals on these things. Uh, and speaking of paid professionals, uh, Dean, I want to I want to get to a couple of things. But the main thing is we were we were out on the water. Uh, I was with you a couple of days this weekend, which was awesome, uh, as you would expect. But you were telling the story about what you ended up doing today uh, about like the least. And, and Scott, you probably have a story about this, too. Don't judge a book by its cover. If you want to use a cliche, the least likely uh, out uh, avid, outgoing, hardcore uh, outdoorsman you've been with. But I, I'll let you, Captain Dean, uh, just kind of tell that story because I was uh, I, I mean, I know a couple of people like that but you were kind of blown away after pretty low expectations. Yeah. It's funny when I saw that in the topics about the least likely fishing junkie, um, <laughs> there's a couple of, but um, one of the, the, the best fringe benefits of my job is the people that I meet along the way, just interesting characters. You never know who you're going to run across. And um, this couple that I've been fishing with this week, um, you know, we meet, we get, everybody is these <laughs> hardcore outdoorsmen, man. You know, they're tough, they're rough. They live off the land and they kill the animals and they eat them and this and that. And, um, they kind of portray this rough and tough, uh, exterior, you know, that the lifestyle they lead. But this lady that I've been fishing with this week, she is a retired school teacher. A uh, little old lady looks like she's uh, nah, she's not really that old, but just a retired school teacher. And, you know, we're out there, we're chatting, we're talking about all the outdoor adventures and stuff. And um, conversation goes to, you know, hunting and such as that. And she had actually um, bow hunts and had taken seven elk in her life along with seven seven elk with the bow over the years and African safaris from um, wildebeest to kudu to, uh, I don't even remember that all the animals that she named that she had taken only with a bow. Um, so pretty amazing. Yes. Very unassuming. If you met her, you would really um, have no library of the adventurous <laughs> lifestyle. Yeah. You'd be asking her for the card catalog or something like that. <laughs> And um, it's fun. Go ahead. <laughs> crazy stories. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we fished today, man. We had an amazing day on the water this morning. We were out there and it took us like 15 minutes to get her on her first big red top water. That's awesome. That's um, awesome. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was really cool people. But like I said, you know, the, the people that I meet along the way, the stories, they travel from all over. They come here to fish. You know, we always um, are out there chatting all day, just swapping stories. And hers was pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, great trips this week. The interesting thing is we all know that person where, like, either you meet them at work or, or, or out and about, and they know you fish. You know, for me, they know the podcast, and they know me from the radio and all that. And they're like, yeah, man, I go out this, 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 and this. I've done been here, here, and here. And I'm like, you have <laughs> like the most unassuming, unlikely people. Scott, I want to get your story on this, but as much as I've met people like that, the one that stands out to me to this day is y'all are familiar with the artist, Amy Winehouse. She, she, you know, she, she committed suicide. She was heavy into drugs. She's from, uh, uh, I think somewhere in England. Um, and just, just, a, just a wild child, very sad story. So I was in Ireland about 
five years ago, I guess, five or six years ago, uh, the station sent me over there for some stuff. And uh, and I was in Ireland. I was walking around and I saw this Irish fishing store. And of course, you know, <laughs> you know, you're going to walk in and I'm I'm nosing around. I'm looking at the lures they use and the fish they catch. And I see a picture of Amy Winehouse with this big fish. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe, you know, she came in, booked a guide or whatever. Then I see another picture of her with a fishing pole on some rocks fishing. And she's got the, the you know, the black makeup on her eyes, the stringy hair all tatted up. She's the one that has, you know, been singing a, like that like rehab song, I think it was her biggest one. And I finally asked the guy, I said, has, has Amy Winehouse been in here? He goes, before she died, she used to come in just about every, every week or every couple of weeks. I'm like, what? Uh, and so apparently like she, the most unlikely, uh, you know, ridiculous, uh, uh, expected person that you would be like, like he goes, Oh, she lived for it. I mean, in an Irish accent, I'm not going to do an Irish accent, but he goes, man, she lived for it. She would come in here and just buy stuff and look at stuff. And, and I'm like, that's, that's the one that just sticks with me. Scott, what about you? I've had a couple of them along the way. Uh, one, in fly fishing, you get the call all the time. You know, I want to come catch a redfish on a fly. Never done it before. And I've been fly fishing my whole life. You know, I've been fly fishing for 15 years. And then they go on and tell you about how great, you know, they can cast and all this stuff. And you shake your head thinking, okay, the, <laughs> ones, that, the ones that talk the most typically can't do it. Right, Dean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and so that, I'm, that's I'm, true in, in many categories. Yeah. Yes, it is. And uh, so this guy, he's well, you want to see me on a basketball court. Okay. (laughs) Go ahead, Scott. He has got this (laughs) New Jersey hard, hard, hard accent from Jersey, but he's from, uh, he's living up in the Northwest somewhere in Seattle or something. Mm -hmm. And he's telling me, you know, he he grew up there and whatever. We go back and forth a few times. Dude shows up and he's a contractor, actually a sheetrock contractor, but for, commercial mm-hmm. buildings and he was in houston to do a bid on some big uh skyscraper job and so he, he meets me at the dock and he's wearing a black shirt it's august uh, <laughs> he's wearing black socks <laughs> and shoes that aren't boat shoes like regular and, shoes <laughs> yeah and some shorts that are just like gym shorts you know like falling down he's a big heavy dude you know, you, you got a picture right now, right in your head yeah. right now. And this guy's standing there at the dock and he didn't, he didn't have a fly rod, didn't have anything and needed me to bring everything. And I'm like, all right, this is, this is going to be an interesting day. <laughs> dude, steps on, <laughs> dude steps onto my boat and we go running out and he's, you know, just looking around, you know, as we go out and we, we stop on this flat and I'm, I always do this with my new customers. You know, hey, you know, hit that spot over there. You know, sometimes there's a fish around those edges, you know, just kind of test them out. in the first thing in the morning, see how they're going to cast. Well, this dude stands on the bow and Dean will understand this because he's more into fly fishing strips, all the fly line off my reel, all of it onto the deck, <laughs> hundred and 110 feet of fly line is stripped off onto the deck. And my first thought was, man, that's pretty ambitious, but okay. Yeah. And I said, hey, man, why don't you go ahead and stretch that line out a little bit and see, see what we got here and uh, get yourself ready. We're going to come up on some fish here pretty soon. He flicks his wrist a few times, real calm and casual, and throws the entire 110 feet of fly line like it's nothing. 
<laughs> and throws it. I mean, lays it out there, dude. It's uh, that is hard. To, I I mean, I've I done it imagine, a couple yeah, of times, yeah. but it's hard. He made it look like it was nothing, like Lefty mm-hmm. Craig. I mean, like like <laughs> you know the best of the best. I'm like, yeah. sweet. This guy's you know he really can cast. So we get to talking. Yeah. Well, he grew up in a neighborhood up there in the Northwest, and his neighbor, you won't, you might not. Most people won't even recognize this. Was the Ray Jeff family, Steve and Tim Ray Jeff. Steve Ray Jeff at one time was 28 consecutive times the world casting champion. World. Oh wow! Like go to go to Europe and compete against everybody in the world, and won. That's who taught him how to cast. As the they gentle were giant up. is what they called him, Steve Ray Jeff. And I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. I've had Ray Jeff on my <laughs> boat before. And Ray Jeff, mm-hmm. that's the only person I've ever seen that could cast like this guy was Ray Jeff. And there's a reason. Ray Jeff taught him how to cast. But yeah, yeah don't yeah. don't judge that book by the cover. Because when he got on the boat, I thought, there ain't no way in hell we're going to have a good yeah. day. Black shirt, black socks. Gym it's shorts. August. And he's Dude, sitting I'm there talking just <laughs> it, it is so freaking hot. That was his big downfall, though. It was muggy, hot, no breeze, August. He ain't dressed for it. And (laughs) within about, I don't know, hour and a half to two hours, he said, how do y'all even stand this down here? (laughs) He caught a couple of fish. And I said, no, Mm -hmm. it's just normal. He looks back at me and goes, dude, you're not even sweating. I'm dying (laughs) up here. He goes, I tell you what, I'm going to drink a bottle of water while you run me back to the dock. I think I'm done. <laughs> I'm talking, it was like nine o'clock and we were back at the dock. He's like, that's good. He I had a good fit. day. Yeah. Handed me, handed me a bunch of cash and got in his, got in his rental car and drove back. That's it was incredible. It was an interesting morning. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about my most unassuming sportscaster who all he can do is think about is fishing, but he still manages to do a radio show and is the <laughs> encyclopedia of sports. When I read that, when I saw that, the most unassuming uh, fishing junkie, I thought that, I said, that's John Lopez. <laughs> but then when I thought about it, I said, I think he thinks more about fishing than sports now. I do. I do. <laughs> you know, whenever I say this is my favorite hour of the week and I'm on the air four to five days a week, four hours a day and I'm going to games and I'm traveling the world and I'm getting to go to, you know, NBA championships, world series and super bowls and, uh, you know, Olympics and world cup. I've, I've, I've always fishing has always been like number one. I'll tell you what it like when I was in Australia for the Olympics, uh, I went fishing with a guy down there in Japan. I went fishing with a guy down there in, I mean, name a country pretty much everywhere except some of the winter, you know, some of the winter ones. Although when the super bowl was in Minnesota, a few years ago, I found a friend of a friend. Uh, you did not go ice fishing. I went ice fishing. I oh. have pictures. I have Dang. I have pictures. I went ice fishing on the off day on the on the Saturday on the Friday before the Super Bowl, and it was the absolute best until the very end. 
this isn't i've never told this story so i'm like emailing and, and direct messaging people like uh, anybody know anybody in minneapolis or the minneapolis area i want to try to go ice fishing i've never been ice fishing in my life and again i, I got hooked up with this one guy probably pushing about 70 years old but just not a guide just a guy that ice fishes all the time and so i i he met me at the hotel at could not have been nicer. I mean, could not have been nicer. And he goes, yeah, we can go in my truck. I got all the stuff. He's, he had the tent, the pop-up tent. He had the little heaters. He had the power drill, you know, the little uh, auger. Uh, uh, did a couple of holes. Uh, the water was just crystal clear. And he had a bottle of schnapps and a bottle of whiskey. And, <laughs> and no and snacks, <laughs> no snacks, no food, no nothing. And, and, and I'm you know, and I'm bundled up and he, and it actually wasn't very uncomfortable, except of course your feet get cold. And so you stand up and move around a little bit. I'm and, getting uncomfortable just listening to the story. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and, you, and we, the scary part was we were driving out on the, on the middle of this lake, one of the 10,000 lakes up there. And you see these, these, these whole houses, you guys know what I'm talking about that are you know, people put up and they got bedrooms in there and all this other stuff. And, and we're driving and, and we're kind of going old school with the tent and the auger and all that. And it's cold. I'm going to post some pictures. Uh, and, and so we get there and we're driving across the lake. And I said, this, I, you know, I'm just a, a, a guy from, from South Texas, man. <laughs> this is making me a little uncomfortable. He goes, well, if you hear a crack, you know, we'll just speed up. And I was like, what? And he was, he was kidding. He was, <laughs> he was kidding. <laughs> so, okay. So we're fishing. All afternoon into the evening, it's probably about eight o'clock, and and I, you know, I'd taken a couple of pulls on the schnapps. I think I had one whiskey, you know, over the course of five, six hours, whatever it was, and I start putting stuff up, and the rest of the bottle of whiskey is empty. Like this dude has been throwing back whiskey. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a handle, but it was a whole bottle, uh, you know, one of those fits or whatever. And I'm like, holy. And I don't, I'm not going to, I, I kind of wanted to ask to drive, but he's like, well, let's go. He seems all right. So we're driving on this icy road back to Minneapolis. We were about 45 minutes, an hour out of town. And we're driving this icy road. All of a sudden he starts just sliding in each direction. And I'm like holding on with my fingertips on the handrail. And when I got back to the hotel, I was kissing the ground. That dude was plastered, like <laughs> you probably drive better on the ice that way it, it slows down he's on ice completely plastered no no chains on the wheels no nothing i was like holy man that's something but yeah that was a bucket list item that's one i've been wanting to do my whole life so yeah, never had a desire yeah you no. never had the desire never not had the desire man that's that's not there <laughs> i mean i've got access to it one of my buddies from the police yeah. department moved up to Omaha, Nebraska, where he, he calls it, oh, my God, Nebraska. It's, oh, my God, yeah. what am I doing here in Nebraska? But uh, the first year I went up there and bow hunted with him, you know, he's got 1,100 acres that he's got access to. And I went up there and bow hunted. And beforehand, it was kind of nasty weather. We are at his house, and they got basements. He's got a whole entire archery range set up in his basement. So we're hmm. shooting under there. We get talking about it. He says, yeah, all these idiots up here, man, they all ice fish and all this stuff. Says, the hell with that. I just set this up down here so I can do something all winter. I'm like, cool. So the next year I go back up there to go bow hunting again. And I'm going to pick my arrow out of the target. And I look over in the corner and I said, what the hell is that? He goes, um, 
that's my ice fishing gear. <laughs> he help it. I said, what? He well, you turned on that quick. He goes, yeah. yeah. He said, well, after one winter up here, you kind of start to realize that you either take up ice fishing or you go stark raving mad or you become yeah, a yeah. total alcoholic. And uh, he said, you got to have something to do. So he, he got into ice fishing. Well, I had a guy that was both. <laughs> he was yeah. an ice fisherman and an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I hit the lotto there, boy. I, I can't even explain to tell you. I can't even explain to you, Scott, how much this guy was swerving on just iced out roads for an hour driving back. I mean, it was like wheels on the dirt sometimes, and and we're like we were like all all four wheels in the oncoming lane sometimes. I was just going, oh my god, just get me home. Well, but I text anyway. with I text with this guy daily. I mean, we're we've been good friends a long time. I can tell you that when he's ice fishing, his texts don't make a whole lot of sense sometimes. <laughs> the whiskey, the whiskey talking, the whiskey. There's a little you. whiskey involved. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, All right. Let's get to let's get to a couple of topics here. I think the first one. Uh, let's go with uh, with the one that Dean uh, kind of referenced there about me and my sicko uh, issues with uh, with fishing putting the odds in your favor on a new bay. The reason I put this, well, this was not a question. Most of our topics come from questions. Um, the reason I, I, I put this one on there, and Dan, I'm going to start with you, but Scott has talked about multiple times, and, and, and I've mentioned it here and there, about learning the new bays and how you carve out a specific area, uh, et cetera. I mean, I was pretty proud of myself driving home. I don't know how I did. Uh, you did give me, you did tell me, you did give me a final exam, but I never got the grade uh, after two days of, of learning a, a couple of areas down there and laying down tracks and stuff. So I didn't get the final grade. I'm waiting for that in the mail, but I, I was, I felt pretty good about, you know, doing it the right way. We carved out, well, I'm gonna let you finish, but we carved out a little area. We didn't get greedy. We didn't fish a lot, a lot, but we fished to keep it interesting. I heard that Scott. And uh, <laughs> that sounded an awful lot like a sparkling water, let's call it. Uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we did that, Dean, but I'm going to let you pick it up from there. That was the, the, I mean, I know you've done it a bunch, but just for our listeners, the proper way to do these things when you're on a new bay. Well, it's going to be interesting listening to you for the next couple months as you move along with this process. And talk about um, the bug biting again. And so, when, yeah, it's a lot to learn. It's a lot to absorb. And so it was interesting because when we got on the boat, you tell me, you asked me if I wanted to drive the boat or I wanted you to drive the boat. And it's like, I wanted you to drive at first because it's easier to learn that way when you do it. But after sitting on the passenger seat, directing traffic site, I should have drove. <laughs> <laughs> He's going, no, a little more, a little more to the right, a little more to the yes, left. Yes, <laughs> yes. And so I actually came home that evening and I was telling um, Carrie, I was like, man, what she's asking, what would y'all do? I was like, that was crazy. It's just different, you know, riding with someone who has absolutely no idea of where the hell they're going. Even though I was there given the best directions I could, it's not the same as being driving and, you know, hitting um, hairpin turns and hitting the cuts just right and lining up the cut to pass through them. You know, you can, that was interesting because you can tell somebody to the best of your ability for them to perform that 
It's very different situation. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's a backhanded compliment. <laughs> Maybe not even a compliment. But I, have I, hadn't say, heard, I hadn't heard the compliment yet. <laughs> I was getting to that. The second day, the second day, the pucker factor was way down. I mean, you did much better because you get more comfortable with that. You know, mm -hmm. the indecision is always there when you're fixing to turn out of the channel and run into one foot of flats and you're splitting sandbars through a cut that's about as wide as your boat and um, learning those things, getting used to them, relating them to the tide today, understanding what the tide's going to be next month when you try to do that again. And so, yeah, that was another thing. You know, we had super high tide makes navigating relatively safe, safer for sure. Um, mm -hmm. But you come back when you have a foot less water on those flats. And, you know, those are things are very critical. But traveling to places and learning new areas is very tough. And just like you said, we took a small, a fraction of what is out there, which you can still be very productive in fishing wise, but to learn how to navigate it safely and to do it comfortably to where it's just, um, it just comes naturally to you where you can go out there and have confidence that I'm fixing to run through this cut and I'm headed right to my spot. It's not easy. It takes time. Um, and we have a lot of people that come down first times. The towboat operator makes more money than anybody out here on this bay. <laughs> this weekend, they're going to be piled up on every sandbar. And yeah. um, But the learning experience is it's a process. I mean, it's repetitive. You have to do it repeatedly. And the best advice I give to people is to start simple and learn a spot. And then once you've mastered that, then move to the next spot. Don't try to absorb the whole thing at once. Don't aim for the horizon and push the limits on those things. You might not always catch it like Yeah, I don't want to be Caleb. <laughs> we've seen we've seen how that ends. <laughs> we've seen where that story ends. But um it, it's going to be interesting to to listen to you. I think it's going to be very beneficial to the listeners as, yeah. you know, the process. You were tuned into Matagorda. It was second nature to you. It's easy. Um, it's a whole new world now. Um, but looking forward to seeing you down here. It's going to be. Uh, <laughs> I'll be down there a lot. You can wave at him. You can wave yeah. at him as he's stuck on yeah. a sandbar. Look at that fool. <laughs> but Scott, that, that, that's something that you've been talking about for, for years here. Uh, and, and obviously I, I wanted to make sure I asked the right questions and uh, didn't try to bite off. We, we basically got two little areas, two little Bay areas uh, and, and some of the basics there. But beyond that, it's also, and, and Dean didn't mention this, but to me, uh, and I talked about it with him on the boat, we all talk about the different ways you fish um in different bays um but D, but scott the, the the thing that hit me was the different way i just even boat on these areas because you're running in in a foot of water uh which my boat has done but the water's not clear you know and so it kind of like almost sets you back a little bit and then you see these flats that you can pretty much run everywhere 
But then Dean would say, okay, but don't go there because that sand is like concrete. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, but I mean, it's like, it's a whole different <laughs> mental approach. And it was see. overcast. It was Yeah, very and it was cloudy. overcast. You really couldn't see the bottom all that much. Yeah, yeah. And that is another challenge. You come out there on a sunny day, like today at midday, you can see every sand hole. The days that we did that, you were just looking at the surface of the water. Yeah. Yeah. I get people all the time asking me how to go through, uh, like Pascavayo or San Luis Pass, you know, places like that. Mm -hmm. I tell them all the time, wait until noon on a clear sunny day and then go figure it out. And then when you come back two months later, you're going to have to do it again because it's going to change. You know, those, those big passes change a lot. Uh, back in the Bay, it's not, not as critical. You can, you can run it once or twice on a good sunny day, you can just see so much more. You can see all the reefs. You can see all the little mm -hmm. problems that uh, that could crop up, and hopefully you're running slow enough to avoid them and uh, yeah, not crash into something and learn it that way. But uh, yeah, I mean that's the that's the best way to learn it is going out in midday, and then <clears throat> with the, a the guide. next best way, yeah, with a guide helps. Uh, the next best way is during our super low tides that will be coming up in August and just passed here in January, February. I like the January, February ones when it's cold, you're really not catching a lot. You know, you're not so keyed up on fishing and just go out there and go explore and go look around and things that are underwater that are a problem later in the year that are six inches under are now showing. Yeah, mm -hmm. there was a flat that I used to run in Galveston all the time. And I mean, I cut across this spot. Hell, I've taken Dean across there after Hurricane Ike. I was still running it. Well, then wintertime came after the hurricane and <laughs> there was washing machines and <laughs> all kinds. Of, I mean, there was a four wheeler that was out there. It was flipped upside down, sitting in the mud and all, all these things I had been running over for the entire rest of the summer from the time Ike hit until mm -hmm. January, I'd been running right over all this stuff. I have no idea how I didn't hit half of it. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a little, it was like a, I mean, it was a maze of crap that was laying on the bottom out there. Hey, your boat and, knows, man. Hell, I'd just been running <laughs> right by it. Yeah. Water, Sometimes that's it's just big, pure luck, man. You just yeah. get lucky. And then you sometimes you don't get so lucky. Yeah, yeah. yeah after okay. Ike, I had a buddy, had a buddy that didn't mm -hmm. get so lucky. After Ike, he, he ran into a uh, dumpster that was floating Ooh. out there in the bay. It was like full a trash of water. Dumpster? Yes, a full size steel dumpster, and it was floating right on the surface. It was full of water, except for just enough to keep it. Yeah, yeah, just afloat, and it was mm -hmm. it was sticking up just like a few inches. And it was out in the middle of Trinity Bay, and he smacked the hell out of it, tore some stuff yeah. up. It's a hell of a place to put a dumpster, that's for sure. Let's take a second here for Freedom Boats real quick. You guys know what we have. I have one. Captain Scott has one, and they are bad boys. I've got the Freedom 23 Warrior. Captain Scott just got into the 26, the brand-new 26-foot General Chet Morimpudi and the guys designed it from the ground up, and orders are being taken right now. It is flying out. I'm talking from the Chiquita to the Patriot to the Warrior like I have to the general like Captain Scott has. It will be the best boat you ever had. Go check out Freedom Boats, freedomboatsusa.com. All right. Um, 
I'm going to put this one up right now because there is a little bit of news. This is not on the rundown, but uh, uh, I know Scott and Dean uh, are going to have some opinions on this. Uh, and it comes from uh, Devin. And Devin says, uh, I'm new to tournament fishing. What all should I expect and learn from it? And we've talked tournament fishing. And we've talked tournament fishing in the new world in which we live uh, with uh, a lot of catch and release, uh, new limits, uh, that, you know, the, et cetera. But I, I, I can tell you, I'm not going to talk much on this because I got two guys that, that know a lot more. But uh, I, I've learned a lot from tournament fishing, um, you know, everything from uh, just navigation, because in tournament fishing, the weather's always bad. Uh, and I've enhanced my navigation in, in, in weather situations, which is always good to have in your back pocket if you ever need it. Uh, to actual fishing and, and and staying with the game plan and stuff like that. But Scott, uh, excuse me, Dean, I'm gonna start with you. Like um, the reason I wanted to put it up now, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well, is I'm sure you guys saw those uh, walleye fishermen uh, that got sent up the river uh, for for cheating. Uh, I forget exactly what the sentence was. Maybe Scott will know. Uh, but days. your thoughts. Is that Ten what it was? Days Ten days. Slammer, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. Your thoughts on that, Dean? And then, like, uh, you know, tournament fishing is always fun, and you want to compete and all that. But you can actually learn a lot from it. With me, I go to what you said earlier: stick with the game plan. If you pressurize it too much, and you try to do different things, or think you're going to change the plan and make it pay off in the end, uh, for myself personally, I've never seen that work you know where i'm gonna head to someplace new that has the ingredients that i think that i'm looking for um and then when you're if you're tournament fishing in different areas if you're traveling to go to fish a tournament somewhere else there's like just the same story it's a lot to absorb stick to the basics do what you know how to do the fish are going to do what they're going to do i mean there's never going to be a day where you know because you shifted gears and because you went to some other place that you're going to hit the mother load and you're going to hit those winners um it's just hard work it's a lot of grinding it's a long day the one thing that um whenever i tournament fish i just work harder throughout the day start earlier cast more no breaks eat while you're fishing while you're casting you never stop it just teaches you to work harder at what you do the pressure of the tournament is brutal man you want to perform you want to bring something in i always try i end up pushing it to the limits but i've learned over the years that you're not going to change the outcome by changing your plan you stick with what's tried and true and just work harder. I mean, you're going to, the one thing that I'm going to do is just beat it up until the very last second, mm. um, which is unlike most of my days, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is not me, <laughs> but Scott, uh, your thoughts on, uh, see, I, I, I saw that on the wall. Go ahead, Dean. I was just Did saying this, the, um, the, the hours that you put in in advance will pay off what, you know, gather that information, study the maps, and you just got to keep beating up that water. 
when yeah. me and Scott were doing that, I mean, that was, we were traveling into areas that we had never seen. And the most legwork was done in advance on studying the map and having um, a game plan for what we were going to do. I think more work or as much work went into the three or four days leading up to the day. And then when you get out mm -hmm. there, you know, then you just start swinging and then the fish are going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. You're talking about stick to the plan, you know, stick to what you know, stick to what you know. You remember our absolute worst tournament was in your home could, waters. Could you be more specific? <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, we were in which your, one? <laughs> we were in your home waters, and why? Why you got to tell that story? <laughs> you had you had been fishing. You you guide every damn day down there, and you're on fish, and you're catching fish, and everything's all good. And I'm just gonna show up, and we're just gonna go, go catch some fish. We're gonna whack them, and then we let somebody talk us into going somewhere else because they had bigger fish. Mm -hmm. Oh, Chad, Chad Hoover <laughs> decides. To talk us into going over there, and we went uh, over uh, what's the uh, behind Packery back in that area. Mm -hmm. I forgot the name of all that, but anyway, it's, it's a oh, very popular oh, yeah. shamrock. That was over there at the um, the backside of Mustang Island. Mm -hmm. For whatever <laughs> damn reason, we decided to leave all of Dean's fish that he's been catching for months, years. That sounds like a good idea. And go over to Mustang Island where neither one of us had a clue what we were doing, where we were going, or anything. And mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure we zeroed on that tournament, if I, if I recall correctly. <laughs> and our good buddy Ken, who was guiding with you, stuck to the oh, plan yeah. and stayed over there in our home waters and kicked our butts. Yeah, <laughs> Won a kayak yeah. out of it. This, this is turning into what not to do in tournaments. Yeah. Well, that's what yeah, you ask what hey, you, you learn. learn. You learn a that. lot about you learn a yeah. lot about what not to do. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, some of our best tournaments were where we studied it and we studied the maps and we went over to Florida and we kicked some tail on some boys over in Florida in their home waters because we had a plan and i think what happens when you fish your home waters in a tournament you put so much pressure on yourself and you start trying to do something different you mm -hmm. know i got to do something different to make this work hey just go fishing you know you're you know mm -hmm. that water just go fishing in that water and do what you would do on any other day and well, you'll Dean, you and i were talking well you and i were talking about that this weekend because we were catching a few fish here and there but we're looking like wonder what's over there wonder what's like around the corner it can be tempting you just got to stay with it man my mind no matter where i'm fishing i'm always thinking about something else i'm always thinking about my next move but then if the fish talk me into staying then i stay scott your thoughts when i saw the the guys that were uh, uh convicted uh from the cheating up in the walleye uh, area when they were fishing for walleye my, maybe I'm just jaded or whatever. And I'm thought, and I thought to myself, Scott, you know, that's probably going to be a deterrent up there 
but that's not a deterrent to cheating in, in tournaments in general. I mean, I just feel like there's yeah, always going to be think, some. Yeah. They did not drop the hammer hard enough on those guys. I mean, I looked a buddy of mine dug into it and looked at their tournament winnings over the last several years, and they had won mm-hmm. a bunch of money and boats right? and all kinds of stuff. And their fine was somewhat, I mean, it, was, mm-hmm. it was pretty light. Actually, they had to give the boat back. Well, hell yeah, yeah. you got to get the boat back that you won cheating in a tournament. <laughs> and then, I mean, I do. Then, I can't keep it. Yeah, I can't keep that. <laughs> and then, but I spent all that money on lead weights. Um, yeah. But, and then 10 days in jail. I mean, mm-hmm. okay. You know, yeah. I, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to spend 10 days in jail. It'd drive me nuts, but. That, that's not very much for a felony considering you know, the hundreds that, of thousands of dollars. And, and yeah. the fact that Texas actually has a law on the books now to convict that, um, yep. you know, uh, is the fact that speeding is against the law, a deterrent? Not necessarily. Right. Is it the fact that there is a law that you will get, you know, People are going to do what they're going to do, but I guess it keeps the honest people honest. It keeps a degree of cheating down. Yeah. It's a lot of money on the line. That's the first thing I thought of. Like, I wish I was wrong about this, but that's not going to turn anybody into (laughs) anybody who does it is going to be drawn to it anyway. You know? Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, This is, I got two texts and there was a post similar to this on the bite me group page, which we always encourage people to, to join. Uh, about the bars, uh, not the ones that, uh, you know, back in our single days, you know, that we hit, um, but the bars uh, on the beachfront. It is that it, we're getting into inching into that type time of year. Um, and a guy was uh, asking about wanting to throw bait versus cut bait, uh, you know, shrimp versus cut bait or, or artificials. And he, and he asked an interesting question. Uh, uh, Scott, I'll start with you uh, just about like, when do you, now you've talked about like early morning first bar all that stuff he goes but is there anything that correlates with what you're throwing is it the bait what you're seeing what's hitting you is it uh time of day uh just like what would would draw you to first bar second bar third bar uh the earlier it is the closer in you fish you know right before, you know i always like to get there as the sky was just starting to get a little color in it and i just fish the hell out of the first bar uh, the trout are going to move up there really shallow, especially if you got good incoming tide. Uh, as the sun comes up, you bounce out to the second gut. And then once the sun's up pretty good, it's either going to shut down or they're going to move out to that, you know, beyond the third bar. And you're going to have to really, you know, you either got to get out there neck deep and work your way to the third bar or call it a day. Hopefully you've caught yeah. a bunch of fish early and you can call it a day. Uh the bait fish that are showing up or the shrimp or whatever it is that's out there. Uh, I think right now I would guess it's probably more shrimp that's, uh, that's in the surf. Uh, soft plastic works real well. Uh, silver spoons, mirror lures, uh, any of your, your mirror dines and plugs and things like that. Uh, that's typically what I would throw out there. Uh, this, the silver spoon is much overlooked. Uh, you gotta be careful with it though. Cause the Spanish mackerel will move in on you and, and you'll lose a bunch of silver spoons real fast if you don't have a little bit of steel leader. Problem with the steel leader is you won't catch as many trout with it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's a give and take there, and uh, the Spanish mackerels will take from you. Uh, 
as far as the afternoon thing that he asked about, I saw that on there. Um, I didn't do a whole lot of that in the afternoons, but I would imagine the last hour, you know, before, before it gets dark, they might start moving up there a little bit closer. Uh, I think a lot of that would depend on if you got a good incoming tide. You know, mm-hmm. the incoming tide is a big deal on the beachfront. It's bringing cooler water up onto the beach, onto the end of the guts, and you just got a better better opportunity. Uh, that especially as you get into more in the summer and the water heats up a little bit, you get that deeper, cooler mm-hmm. water coming in with the tides. That's that's where I would be with it. As far as throwing live bait, um, I've seen a lot of people throw live shrimp out there. I've done just as well standing next to a guy with live shrimp as you know just chunking my lures and i'm catching mm-hmm. fish for fish same as he is uh cut bait that's going to be more uh bull reds you know more gaff tops bull reds that kind of thing since I, mean, I was a kid i did it a lot and i fished off the piers all the time and cut bait was a big deal you know fresh shad or uh you know cut mullet and we caught a lot of bull reds and we caught some jacks and sharks and stuff like that. But if you want to go out there and catch trout, uh, just chunk lures. You know, Dean, I, I know Scott covered it quite well there, but uh, in part of this text that I didn't mention, uh, it was actually a buddy of mine that said, you know, uh, what's the best way to to cast and really get past that uh, that bar, those, those, those you know, the second gut, third gut, whatever. And I'm like, why do you want to go out there? I mean, th- that's a big misconception about uh, I'm on the beachfront. I got to really throw it out there to get the big ones. You know, um, that's not necessarily the case in certain instances, as Scott illustrated there. But you don't have to. And you can cast at angles too, Dean. Yeah. <clears throat> and Scott covered it really, I mean, pretty well. <clears throat> the only thing I'll add to that, <clears throat> I mean, and if we're talking specifically about summer, you know, right now the surf is on fire. There's tons of bait fish what's out there now is finger mullet or just a lot of mullet excuse Mm -hmm. me in general so you want things that move real fast you know fast moving lures at the crack of dawn top waters can be really great um but everybody when you're standing on the shore you can't cast far enough away from the shore when you're out in the boat you can't get close enough to the shoreline it's (laughs) kind of weird the way uh, people think about that. But when it comes to bait versus lure in the summertime, lures tend to work really good because the fish are on the prowl and everything in the surf is moving fast. You know, there's a lot of big predators out there. Anything that moves slow is about to get eaten. So fast moving lures. And it's really, if the water's clear, you know, rattle traps and spoons and things that you can swim really fast are what, the fish expect to see so it's natural to them when it comes to the winter and there's no bait fish in the surf you know something a large piece of cut bait tends to work better and those are going to be you know bull reds black drum and things like that but right now the surf is loaded with spanish mackerel there's jack crevel the speckled trout are up close they're avoiding getting eaten um but fast moving shiny lures tend to really do work best. I mean, there's a lot of piggies. There's a lot of little fish. If you put live bait out there, it's going to go quick. As soon as it hits the water, the little piggies and those things are just going to destroy it. So it's really high maintenance 
uh, my preference is always with something plastic that's going to make a lot of noise and move real fast. Before we go on, let me take a second here for Anglers Anonymous. Mike Butler, we all know his name. We all shop there. And right now at Anglers Anonymous, how about a two-week turnaround on real cleaning and repairs? That is ongoing. They are always quick. They always expedite service. Also, the spring sale on all in-stock waders and jackets right now. 25% off all in-stock 13 fishing reels as well. Anglers Anonymous in Katy, Mike Butler and the gang get it done. They are Texas fishermen. It is veteran-owned. It is family-owned. Anglers Anonymous in Katy. All right, I know you guys know this. Uh, Memorial Day weekend, boys. <laughs> Memorial Day weekends mean uh, for guides, it means uh, I'm staying home. Uh, I'm a barbecue. I'm gonna use my OG sauce and get some chicken going in the smoker. Uh, open a couple of cold ones. That's for guides. For everybody else, that means uh, we're gonna go fishing and we're gonna be amid the madness. Uh, Dean, I'll start with you on this one because. Uh, this is something that I've done in the past, and I actually shared this uh, on the DM uh, because we've talked about the holiday weekends in the past, so we're not going to totally uh, go down that same path. Uh, but he was asking about, he goes, do you stake out a spot and stay? Do you uh, just fight? I mean, how, what, is, what does all the boat traffic do to the fishing? And I've always told him I've probably used bait on holiday weekends when my kids want to fish or something more on, like, Memorial Day and Fourth of July weekend than the rest of the year combined. I am all about, Dean, let's get out there. If you want to fish, let's get out there early. Let's find a spot so nobody's coming in on us, and we'll use bait. We'll sit there. We'll wait for the fish, and it'll probably be about as calm and, and uh, uh, target-rich an environment as we're going to find that whole weekend. But I wanted to, to get your thoughts on the whole holiday weekend madness. <laughs> Yeah, if um, if you go out there and you put your ear to the ground right now, you can hear the rumble of the herd. <laughs> all the boats are coming. All the trucks are headed this way. All the yes. RVs. Yes, we were talking about that today, about this weekend. But like you said, and what I tell people about the holiday weekend is get there early. Your first, if your goal is catching fish, the first two hours of the morning are going to be your best bet get there early. And if you do hit, find a spot, stake it out. You have to be patient because if you get an idea and go somewhere else, you're just going behind somebody else. There is already going to be somebody else there. And as soon as a boat pulls out, there's going to be another one and they're going to be squeezing in. So stake out your spot, get there early. And if you are fortunate enough to be in an area that is not overcrowded, that is going to be your best advantage to work within the time that you got. Um, once mm -hmm. it gets to be about 10 or 11, it's just going to be busy, man. I mean, it's just, you have to be patient. You have to understand the situation. Don't let it get to you. It's the rules change dramatically on the holiday weekend which means there are absolutely no rules. People are going to be just everywhere. But it is the biggest <laughs> weekend. I mean, here goes summertime. Get ready for summer because yeah. that conversation is going to be repeated for the next three months. Yeah. Uh, Scott, do you use bait uh, if you've ever had to go out on the holiday? That's what I do. I, I, like I said, those two weekends, I'll probably use bait more than the, the rest of the year combined. Yeah, I'm going to go in the opposite direction from evenings on mm -hmm. holiday weekends. Evenings, the bay just shuts down. 
I mean, it, it's quiet. Yeah, yeah it, it really quiet, and especially Sunday afternoon on a, a, a Saturday, Sunday, Monday holiday. Sunday afternoon is dead quiet. Everybody's hung over from Saturday, and you know that it can be actually pretty good. Um, that Monday morning is usually kind of busy because everybody's got to get that last little bit in. But Sunday mornings can even be pretty good. What I used to do when I would go to Rockport for the weekend for the holiday, you know, just like everybody else. But I tended to go at night. Uh, that's when we did the green light thing on the jetties. And uh, there was still, you know, several boats out there doing the same green light thing. But it, it gave us an opportunity to, to be away from everybody. Uh, just yeah. kind of, it's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to go way to flat and chunk lures or throw flies. But I knew it wasn't a good weekend for it. So I just changed my plan and go out there and sit at the jetties, have the light out and catch what we catch uh for those uh, who want to know a little bit more about the green lights uh you can uh, go to last week's podcast because we talked specifically about that and and what scott's talking about all right story time story time from uh, my two guys here sitting across from me um so scott had told a story either last week or the week before about just uh getting on his kayak and and getting invisible for about three days. So I'm on the boat with Dean this weekend, and you're telling me about your younger days, uh, that, that that trip you made from, well, pretty much down the whole lower coast. So the question becomes, so you want to go kayaking and camping, huh? Um, I, I think, I thought it was a really cool story. Uh, it's something I've never done. I've gone out for a day or a night, I mean, uh, but never what you did. So tell the story, and Kind of the do's and don'ts, and you better take this and you better not take that kind of thing, Dean. Well, the trips that we did were um, two nights of camping launched at um, like along the causeway, the JFK causeway in Corpus Christi and paddled all the way to Baffin Bay, up in Baffin Bay. And we went all the way up Los Almost Creek to 77 and got out there and then we also did it the other direction where we got in at 77 and came all the way back we also did a trip where we went to port isabel and paddled a total of 70 miles to come back to port mansfield so very adventurous um but the thing about a trip like that is um you know you have to carry everything to survive on your kayak for three days you have to have food water shelter and fishing gear so all of those things you have to think of it as like a backpacking trip you know ounces equal pounds the more things you put in that boat the heavier it gets what i used to do for food which worked out pretty good was um we would freeze whether it was um, fajitas or sausage or something like that that could be frozen when you left because you can't take an ice chest you're not going to have refrigerated food for three days on a kayak so you freeze those things solid and as they defrost you cook them and then for the third day it's peanut butter and jelly man it's whatever <laughs> you can get out of a jar or a can snack bars worked really good um but for the first night we would have cooked food and then the second night was um peanut butter and jelly sandwiches peanut butter and jelly is great man it's full of protein it's full of energy and um it will keep you alive for a couple of days we froze the water bottles that we were taking with us and they would be cold you would use that to keep your stuff cold until it defrosted and then you would have the water to drink 
after that was over. So it was kind of dual purpose, all that small tents, you know, one man pop up tent that you can just crawl in, get away from the mosquitoes at night. The biggest challenge on those long trips was finding a spot. There was so if you're going to paddle 20 miles in one day or you're going to travel, you don't know the pinpoint spot where you're going to land whenever mm-hmm. you gas out or when the sun goes down. So finding an island or a shoreline that was not muddy, um, not, you know, had a little piece of sand that you could get on. Sometimes you would think you were going somewhere, but it never worked out. We always ended up camping <laughs> in uh, some spot we discovered along the way. But I did those trips with some pretty adventurous friends of mine, and it was some of the most memorable days of uh, of um, adventure that I've ever had. Um, the Port Isabel to Port Mansfield trip was a total of 70 miles. That was pretty crazy. But the finding the spots, planning your food, having a, some shelter to to be in. And then, you know, three days in the summertime without a bath is rough. <laughs> that sure is. You carry powder. <laughs> Baby powder will keep you from getting rashes in very uncomfortable places. Um, <laughs> and it is it, it is. It is an issue. <laughs> you will you will visit that with three days on the trail. We called it yak ass. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I got the old yak ass working. <laughs> yep. And it's Damn not just did. the it the uh, the ass. It's the armpits because you're rubbing. It's the yeah. motion, and it, your whole body can become chafed mm. in a situation. <laughs> but. <laughs> I would carry a lot of um, emphasis on that. <laughs> I, I would, you you learn how to take a bath with one water bottle. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> yeah, I always tried to do mine with a boat. I could carry more stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I could be a little more comfortable and just have the kayak with me. And that way, you know, like I said, my tent was just a tarp. Yeah, you know, I could mm-hmm. tie it off on the cleats on the front of the boat, tie it off to the the console, and that kept the the dew off of me. You know, and I'd allow a breeze in up underneath and I got to have my ice chest there and have that thing full of ice. And then I could kayak throughout the day. Yeah. You know, I would. That just ain't camping. I would <laughs> make full. Dean I'd is make disgusted with you. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I tried to talk him into doing that baffin trip again after he had done it a couple of times. I said, man, that sounds like fun. I want to do it. And he wouldn't do it with me. I we got turned was. back. We, I got <laughs> actually turned back on one because the wind was so bad that we absolutely could not get around Penscow Point, which is down at the tip end of Baffin. And we looked at it and thought about it. Wasn't that, and wasn't that it you and Arnold? Just, yep, me and Low Liver Dog. Yeah, that's what, that's what I that was a not a good day to meet our maker in the middle of Baffin Bay. <laughs> I want to know about Liver Dog. That's a hell of a nickname right there. <laughs> He's a cool uh, dude. Liver Dog, that's the name of his band. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, there's more story to that than we got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Liver Dog. Yeah. So, Scott, I mean, but it is, it is. Uh, I mean, it's intriguing. It's uh, that sense of adventure, that caveman instincts that we all have. And if you can do it and you can do it safely, uh, 
we, we didn't even mention any part of the fishing aspect of it. I mean, you're just discovering, you're going to places that, you know, I'm sure Scott on some of your trips, like, uh, I'm not going to say unspoiled, but, but very rarely seen places or very rarely navigated places. Yeah. I mean, you get off into places and you start kind of poking around. Yeah. You got all day, you know, you don't have to be back at the ramp, you know, at a certain mm -hmm. time, you don't have to be back before dark. And I just go out and just start poking around, going into places I'd never been before. It's always kind of cool. There was a bunch of guys that came down here. The fellow who did did my electric work with me, uh, him and uh, Carrie Beeson and a couple other guys. They were, I think there was like 15 or 20 of them. They went out to Matagorda Island and camped at the state park. And they all brought kayaks out there and a couple of skiffs. And they just prowled all up and down the islands and all back in Mule Slough and all that and spent, I don't know, three or four days out there. And mm -hmm. something like that, that's very doable from Port O'Connor. You know, the paddle out there, it's a half-day paddle to get out there to the island, to the state park. You got to bring all your stuff with you, or you can do the it. The best part <laughs> about those trips was when you got somewhere, and you're setting up camp, and you gather some driftwood, and you got you a fire out there in the middle of nowhere, sun's yeah. going down. And really nothing else matters in the world for a little while. It's pretty cool. The pack group, the paddling anglers, canoes and kayaks, the group out of Houston, um, they still do that. They still do a trip every month. I've organized some stuff for those guys where they come down here um, and go over to Spalding and camp out on the island. And they go over to Matagorda Island. There's, there's still some groups or that group for sure, man. They are highly committed to the uh high adventure weekends and if you ever want to know when the worst weather is going to be check their <laughs> calendar because every time that they come here to port o'connor and do that it blows it, there's a storm <laughs> there's there's something they all woke up one night they were camping out uh, over here in uh, outside of Showwater, and they all woke up with water in their tents because uh, oh. the, the wind had gotten blowing so hard and pushed the tide up so high it came up on their island and everybody was soaking yeah they always have a big adventure but it's a yeah. cool group when, when it goes wrong out guys. there it goes really wrong and there's not a lot of in between on that program yeah <laughs> before we pick it back up uh, i want to brag a little bit about my friends down at the boat yard in beautiful kima texas the boat yard they've got you covered freedom boats uh, mclean trailers mercury piranha stingray sun chaser suzuki all the top brands tohatsu yamaha uh, they will sell you that new boat at a great deal and you're going to get that outboard motor taken care of parts service they do it all you've heard jt on this podcast he's got great expertise he's very helpful and he can help you with that new boat go see him at the boat yard in beautiful kima all right uh what would scott do what would dean do i know what you're gonna do but what would you do <laughs> uh, this weekend and, and we can talk about you know uh, thursday friday too i know people are going to be leaving early but but you know the what what the apps look like what the weather looks like conditions i know saturday is going to be a bleep show uh but in terms of uh, a lot of people going out a lot of listeners going to be this is a, this is a pressure packed what would scott do and what would dean do because they're going to say those guys told me to do this and they know their stuff or they won't but <laughs> but uh, uh scott i'll start with you uh if you're getting out there let, let's assume some people are going to be out there uh thursday friday too where it's, where it's maybe not quite as, as crowded hey man i was dead on last week i said sorry. you were and you were. man 
everybody I talked to tore it up in the surf. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, with the winds the way they are, they're pretty light. There's a weird one on uh, Thursday night for some reason. I don't know why, but during the week, during the days, it's like less than ten miles an hour. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I mean, Monday's the highest. It's like eleven out of the south. Mm-hmm. So everything's wide open again. And I hate keep saying that, but it's kind of a whatever you want to do and however you think you can get away from the crowds. Saw somebody on the on the messages there asking about the mosquito fleet going offshore. Yeah. That's be yeah. a good weekend for that. Yeah, it'd be a good weekend to to slip offshore and maybe go catch some kingfish, see if the tarpon are arriving early. I'm hearing a few reports here and there. Uh, go hit the surf, go catch some trout in the surf. And uh, you could drift open water reefs. Uh, that would pay off. And if you want to take a chance and try to stake out a shoreline and go wading, you know, just be prepared and don't uh, leave your feelings at home because yeah. you're going to get run over. <laughs> I mean, that's just, <laughs> just the way it's going to be. I mean, you can't get all mad on a holiday weekend. If you're going to go out and fish on the flats, you can't get mad about getting run over because it's just going to happen. I mean, there's going to be everything out there, all kind of boats and jet skis. And uh, you try to fish the intercoastal, somebody's going to be running up and down it, skiing or tubing or doing something. It, it's just one of those weekends where you just take a deep breath and go do what you want to do and see if you can make it work and try that you night know, fishing. Yeah, I was just going to say that. And uh, no, that's how I was going to transition to, to Dean. Uh, you're looking at some of the majors and minors. I'm looking at the wind uh and uh, all the way thursday friday as, as as scott said there dean by the way you're going to be very pleased to know that i've changed uh, everything on my app to aransas pass yeah. uh, so uh i'm officially uh just looking at aransas pass weather but uh what would you do and, and and that whole evening fishing like i'm looking at friday night i mean that look at that major right there on friday yep. night that's going to be pretty nice yep. you're getting tuned in i'm the getting cool tuned thing, in baby the coolest thing the 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 best thing about this weekend is the um everything is on fire there's so many options right now i've been kayak fishing for the last five days it has been amazing tailing reds schools of reds mullet bait fish on the flats my buddies that are fishing for speckled trout on the outside of the islands outside of trailer outside of quarantine and those places i mean speckled trout is great the jetties absolutely on fire spanish mackerel and scott the tarpener at the jetties the um i had people that were out there yesterday evening and they said they were just rolling like crazy they were out there watching them the surf fishing so as far as it being a holiday weekend you know there's a lot of options there's places to spread out wherever you're at if you do hit it early and you're fortunate enough, you know, to have um, some time to work with it, it's going to be productive. I mean, the conditions are amazing for the weekend. There's so much going on. I love this time of year. I mean, it's not the um, oppressive heat that's going to be here, you know, and later in June and July. Um, Fishing is really good. So no matter where you're at, you got a great chance to catch some fish and the options are wide open. I mean, wherever you're going to be, it, it is the best time of year to be out there. Scott's holding up his puppy. It looks like a before and after picture. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's that one's name? <laughs> this one, I've, I've been calling her Panda. 
Yeah, she's very good. Little man. black and white face. She's she's pretty cool. Blue eyes. You're gonna keep all of them, aren't you? Ah, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> Camille Camille keeps talking about wanting to keep one of them, but yeah, uh, you should. But I don't know. We got four, and none of them have been spoken. We thought we had two of them spoken for. And none of them been spoken for. So if anybody out there is looking for a miniature Aussie. We got yeah. uh, four little females. Three of them are uh, blue merles, and this one is a little tricolor, mostly black and white. And, Speaking uh, of Camille, yeah, I'm going to be uh, the, the carry the I'm going to be on the carry the load walk with her on uh, Saturday, right here at Fire Station Eight. Uh, go about five miles. That dog is really cute. Uh, go about five <laughs> miles on that, so you guys can uh, find out on her page. You know, uh, what whatever, uh, all the information. If you want to join us, you want to donate, uh, etc. That's this Saturday, so I'll be out there. Uh, are you coming, Scott? Are you just going to send her on her happy way? Now she's she's already in Houston. She's at at my daughter's, uh, hanging out with the grandkids. So she's going to stay there and then head on over to uh, the fire station. Uh, somebody's got to be here to take care of all these dead gum animals. Yeah, so. that puppy, that's something, man. Well, one of them could be spoken for if my wife were here right these now. These are but, uh, they're five yeah. weeks old right now, so got another you know two or three weeks to to think about it. <laughs> that's and, right. Just don't show her. Just don't. Oh show yeah, them. Jan's getting a picture, man. <laughs> don't show her that. Uh, Gibson will be will be ticked off. Hey, before we get to what uh, is going on in, in you guys' lives, I do want to mention, which we always do because they're great, great friends of everybody who listens to the podcast, and that is Knock and Tail, which uh, I, I threw, we were most, mostly throwing topwaters, but I was trying that, uh, that, that uh, Knock and Tail a little bit. Uh, bite me 20, knockandtaillures.com. You get 20% off. It's a really popular bait. Really looking forward to throwing, throwing that white with the speck, uh, the silver speck uh, on it when I get down uh, to Aranda's Pass next time. And then we saw some Wade fishermen too, and I was trying to see if they were wearing, if they were bite me listeners, they'd be wearing that Wade Right combo, uh, which you can get at coastalfishinggear.com. Uh, use that bite me twenty uh, promo code there, uh, and you can uh, get twenty percent off on uh, on the bite me combo there. All right, Dean, we know Scott is selling puppies. Uh, we know Scott is working on his house; it's coming right along. I can hear the. Uh, the music in the background practically uh, and scott is uh is booking some trips but but what's going on in your world i know you've been working on a lot of stuff man just ready for a busy season i mean everything is on back burner now just fishing every day um got all the rat killing done around the house and um which was my goal to get that done so um anybody can reach me on the social media. My website was kind of outdated. I took it down. It had a lot of stuff on there. It hadn't been rebuilt in a while. So if anybody's looking to get in touch with me, it's messenger or any of the, on the, on the IG, um, such as that, or call the number at the shop, but man, it's just fishing for me now. Um, the next three months, it's just looking forward to it. We're going to be, I mean, the kayak fishing is amazing. It's crazy at this time of year. And then I start thinking about the jetties. The jetties over here are an amazing place. So much big game action on light tackle for the next two months. Um, so the days that we're not on the flats, we'll be at the jetties filling you guys in with the reports of what's going on. Need you to call me when the, when those bait balls show up, Dean, we can get, me and you and uh, Caleb get out there and start shooting some video and stuff and 
they are here now. There are bait balls. We got the seaweed this year. The seaweed just brings fish. The people yep. at the beach are hating on it right now. But this weekend, because I didn't book trips in advance because I, I try, I can't promise to deliver what people expect. So I just avoid that. I'll go out for fun. So I may be out doing a boat ride at the jetties this weekend. Like you said, man, the winds are less than 10 miles an hour. Um, the bait balls are there. Tarpon are there. It's getting started early and hopefully it is often for this summer. Well, all right. Uh, that is one well-behaved dog, too. He is not yapping at all. Man. I'm going to avoid uh, showing any of that to my wife. Uh, you guys have a great, safe weekend, man. Thank you, Dean. Thank you, Scott. For That dog is dancing now. Uh, for all you do, catch him up. Have a great weekend. Happy Memorial Day. And we will talk to you next time.